Bonjour à tous. Uh, content de. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> Just a bit nervous. Um, thank you for that. Welcome, Randy, for the introduction. Um, when I was younger, my sister claimed that she was just a little bit younger than me, and now she's a whole lot younger than me. And, uh, but she does pay me a lot of respect when I'm at her house. She shows me lots of honor being the, um, the older and wiser brother. So she's, um, that's going off really well. Um, today is also Randy's birthday. I don't know if you guys know that. Uh, I asked Randy what he wanted as a gift, and he said, would you please stay for another three or four weeks? I enjoy your presence so much. So, <laughs> so uh, we're staying, man. So. Um, and thanks for the welcome this morning. I was at a church last week that got up in front and said, we are a welcoming church. We want you to feel welcome here. And not one person had said welcome before I'd, um, before, you know, it was kind of interesting. But that's not the case today. So thank you very much for that. Uh, thanks for the possibility of speaking. Randy, thank you for asking me to speak. I pray that you will listen openly to the things I have to say to be able to discern what God's will is for your lives. As we are being transformed day by day into the glory of his image. So if you're ready, and even if you're not, um, let's start today with an episode from the story of the, the life of Jacob. He's running away from his brother Esau, uh, who is so angry with Jacob, he's planning on murdering him. Jacob tricked his father, who's old and blind, who thinks he's going to die soon. He's only off by about 30-something years, but he thinks he's going to die. And he's stolen the family blessing. This is the solemn blessing that Abraham passed on to Isaac, and he got it through trickery. And J Jacob is a fugitive. His goal is to put as much distance as possible between himself and his murderous brother Esau. And so he stops for the night. He takes a stone, puts it under his head to use as a pillow, and he begins to snore. And God interrupts his sleep, invades his dreams. There's a ladder, there's angels going up and down, there's blessing, there's promise, there's God. And then he wakes up, and it's in Genesis chapter 26, or 28, excuse me, verses 16 through 17. And he said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob marks that spot by taking the stone, turning it on end, taking some oil, anointing it, and calling the place Bethel, which means the house of God. Don't you find that sentence fascinating? When he says, surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Would it be possible that today in our lives, 
that God is present and like Jacob, we are ignorant of that fact, that we eat, work, and study, that we eat, love, and sleep, that we eat, play, and worship without being aware of the fact or taking the time of being aware that God is present. Is it possible that that could happen to us? It wouldn't be the first time in history outside of Jacob that that happens. In fact, and I'm going to use John as I told you today. Randy always makes fun of me using John all the time, but John the Apostle, okay, just so you know. One of the themes of John is that God showed up and people didn't recognize it. In fact, in John chapter 1, in the prologue, verse 10, we read, The true light, the true light was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him, did not recognize him. He came to what was his own. And his own people did not accept him. So John says that the creative word of God was rejected by the creation. God says that the nation former, the one who formed the nation, the father of the nation, comes and is rejected by that nation. That the people did not recognize the son. And you have lots of examples. You have the example of, of Philip coming to Nathaniel and saying, I have found the Messiah, the one through whom God will reign. And Nathaniel's response is, can something good come from Nazareth? You have the Samaritan woman. In John chapter 4, she's speaking with the spring of water that gives life, the Son of God. And she does not know it. And Jesus tells her at a key moment in the conversation in verse 23, the hour is coming and now is here when true worshipers will worship God the Father in spirit and truth. For the Spirit seeks those as these to worship Him. God is Spirit. And those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. And, and how, how does she answer? Are you ready? She says, I know that the Messiah is coming. And that He will explain it all to me. He will. Things go over my head, she says, but I know the Messiah is coming, and he'll explain it to me. And Jesus answers, woman, look, the Messiah is here. We're not quite yet to John 9, but we'll get there in a second. She didn't know it, but she got the message. She believed. John chapter 9, it's, it's much the same. There's a, a man born blind. Jesus heals him by putting uh, mud that he makes from saliva and dust on his eyes. He goes to the pool, he washes his eyes. He's, uh, there, he goes through this inquisition with the leaders. And finally, he, he finishes by saying that this man is the Messiah without Jesus ever intervening in that part. And later, Jesus show, come, shows up when he's been cast outside and excluded from the people. He's, he's actually thrown out. And this is what happened. Jesus found him and said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And the man born blind answered, 
Who is he, sir? Tell me that I may believe in him. See, God shows up, and he doesn't quite recognize him yet. Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. The night of the Passover, Jesus is going to give his life. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And he's speaking with his apostles about things that they should have understood but are veiled to them. They they just don't get it. Difficult for them to understand because their hearts are heavy. Difficult to understand because their project is not God's project. And so Jesus said to him, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the light. If you know me, you will know my Father also. And from now on, you do know him and have seen him. Notice that he says, you you know the Father because you know me. And the reaction of some of his disciples expressed in Philip is very surprising. It's the next verse. Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe? And like Jacob, he's been in the presence of God, and he did not know it. He did not know it. Because he did not believe. He did not believe that in Jesus the Father was revealed. Did not believe yet. But he would believe. Like Jacob, God is there. And he does not yet believe. You know, brothers and sisters, God does not want us to live in ignorance of his presence in his church and in our lives. We know that there are specific moments when God is particularly present, when the Savior and the Lord of the universe accompanies us. And I think that if you've been listening carefully, and and thank you for listening carefully, I think if you've been listening carefully, you're already starting to put some things together about times that not only is he present in the sense that I'm not alone, but he is particularly present. For example, in the assembly, there's a a text that you know quite well in Matthew 18, teaching about prayer and forgiveness and the life of the saints. And here's what Jesus said. He said, for where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. Disappointed with the numbers, thinking that getting together is insignificant. Jesus says very clearly to his disciples, when you are together to pray, to forgive, to worship, this moment is significant. I am present. How comforting. That is to know.
there's this enigmatic, cryptic statement in Hebrews chapter 2. It's verses 11 through 12. It's on the board. Wonderfully cryptic. cryptic. Listen to what it says. For the one who sanctifies, that's Jesus, and those who are sanctified, that's us, have one Father. For this reason, Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters, saying, I, that is Jesus, will proclaim your name, that is the Father's name, to my brothers and sisters in the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. And the writer says that when the church is together singing and worshiping like we have done today, Jesus is present with us worshiping the Father. Did you see that? He says, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters in the midst of the congregation. He's announcing the name of the Father through worship in the midst of the assembly. I think we recognize that, don't we, in, in, when we take bread and, and wine? His presence with us. But in our singing, in our praying, he is also in the midst of us. And then there's also our expressions of love to others, that he is present to the least of those that you serve. He is there. Matthew 25. Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcome you or naked or sick or in prison? Lord, when did we see you? When did we see you? And you remember what the king answered them. He said, truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. The presence, the presence of the king. Serving others, serving those who suffer for the gospel, you did it to me, says Jesus. Can we let that phrase transform our lives? Can, can the will of God be worked in our lives through that? I was talking to someone just a week and a half ago that said this verse transformed her life. The sister-in-law comes and stays for three months every year, 55 years old, autistic with many other social problems. Three months every nine months, she comes and lives with her. And she shows, the 55-year-old sister-in-law shows little thankfulness. It's very demanding, very demanding. Three months are long. But she said this verse transformed her thinking. And here's what her phrase. She says, you don't eye-roll Jesus. You don't eye-roll Jesus. And then expressions of love that you show to others. Jesus is present. What a surprising passage when we read in Mark 9, verses 36 and 37. It says, then Jesus, when talking about the greatest, then Jesus took a little child and put it among them and taking it in his arms he said to them whoever welcomes one whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me but the one who sent me did you know that every time you take a child in your arms in the name of Jesus you are welcoming Jesus did you know 
that you are welcoming the one who sent Jesus, the Father. And these are not just encouraging words. These are words of truth that God is present each time that you welcome a child in Jesus' name. Children are sacred ground. And when you take them in your arms, you're taking Jesus into your arms. What should we do then? Well, there's a, a Christian melody from the 1970s. It's, a, it's one of those songs I really don't like very much, but I must admit there are a few words in it that are touching. The, word, the song is, you know, Have you seen Jesus, my Lord? He's here in plain view. Everybody from Plainview, Texas, and when I was at Abilene, they loved that song. She's here in Plainview. <laughs> Take a look, open your eyes, he'll show it to you. And then he says, have you ever stood at the ocean? Have you ever stood at, stood at the sunset? Have you ever stood at line in the cafeterias? Have you, all those different lines like that. And I could actually do without those verses. But then there's this truth. Have you ever stood in the family? With the Lord there in your midst. Seeing the face of Christ on your brother. Then I say, you've seen Jesus my Lord. Jacob was surprised that God showed up. He was blessed. But he was surprised. Moses was surprised that God showed up. And then showed up on the mountain. He wanted more of God. Show me your presence, he said. Let me see you. And I, I think our prayer is like Moses's. What's more important than seeing God at work in our lives? What's more important than having God present in our families? What, what's more important than affirming that God is present in the lives of our brothers and sisters? What's, what's more affirming than that? I want you to know that um, the Lord is present when you pray in his name. When you forgive in his name with two or three others. When you praise the Father in the assembly, when you break bread, when you drink the cup, when you give a cup of cold water, when you clothe a poor person, when you welcome a foreigner or an immigrant, when you visit the sick or the prisoner, when you take a child in your arms, Jesus is there. He's there. Do you know why we know that? Because he said it. He told us that he would be there, and we live with this fact in our lives, that he is present, that these actions, small and large, are vital to the church because he is present. Is, is, every, action, is every action a sign of the presence of God? The answer is no. If we waste our times in front of screens, rarely reaching out 
if we seek pleasure rather than meaning, if we seek to be served rather than to serve, maybe God will not show up. Or perhaps, even as tragic, maybe he'll show up and we'll miss it. Because we just don't take the time to look. A, a Christian in Lausanne received a card from a coworker when that coworker was moving on to another position in another company. I'll just share a part of that card, which was something like this. So the person who was leaving wrote to the Christian, during the last two years, I've come to appreciate you. At the beginning, when I first came here, that was hard for me, and I didn't understand why. Something was just not right. And then I realized that my discomfort came from the fact that I found myself in the presence of God. And it had been such a long time since that had happened to me. Christians are light in the darkness. They're, they're salt in the world. They're ambassadors of the king. They're aroma, the aroma of Christ. And perhaps we'll, we'll be surprised this week. Surprised because Father, Son, and Spirit just might be in places where we didn't expect to find them. Like the song says, Have you ever stood at the cross with the man hanging in pain, seen the look of love in his eyes? Then I say, you've seen Jesus, my Lord. God can show up in an unexpected places, even on a cross. And if he can show up there, he's going to show up this week in your lives. Maybe it will be at a table at your place with friends present. Maybe it will be in a park when you welcome and encounter a child. Maybe in a meeting with your colleagues in a gym where you cross a fellow fitness freak. Or maybe on a street corner, you will encounter Jesus. Yes, everywhere. Everywhere that you act in the name of Jesus. And we call that incarnation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as a deer longs for water, our soul, our souls long for you. Our souls thirst for you, O God. When will we see your face? We confess our fears that you you will be with us and we will not recognize you. That you will be there and we will not be ready to welcome you. And we want to see you at work today. We want to see you at work this week. And we pray that you reveal the actions that you have prepared for us to do. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.